And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion. My name is Brando, episode 168, and we have a jam-packed episode uh, today. I'm going to get to my guest in the studio in just a second, but stick around after the interview. We're going to be doing another awesome uh, fan obsession segment, but... Uh, for those of you who've been following along with my podcast, I've been talking about my radio career, how long I've been doing it, and I think today is an interesting moment for me because I I, I started, and I'll say professionally, uh, Hofstra University out on, on Long Island. It's literally ranked the number one college radio station in, in the country. My first on-air position was, I mean, I, I was... 19, 18, and it was a show called The Aggressive Edge. It still airs today, but my slot was 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. And I came in from like a mainstream kind of rock background. As hard as I got at the time, which sounds weird at a context, but as hard as I got musically at, at, was was Metallica. So this was a, a show, and it was, you say you learn at college. I learned so much academically, but I learned musically from that radio show because of all the metal that I would play. And it's so, because I would play Iced Earth on the radio and I would play Blind Guardian on the radio. These were amongst the first bands that I ever played, you know, 15, 16 years into my career. You guys kind of kicked that off for me. Awesome, man. So it's it's, good to hear. It's been great. So, uh, of course, uh, just those two, uh, uh, I'm alluding to a couple people in here uh, from Blind Guardian. We have uh, Hans Kirsch. Great to be here. I, I tried to say that in a terrible yeah. accent. And it sounds perfect. <laughs> Thank you for lying. <laughs> and you make me a grown-up man, Hans. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and uh, John Schaefer from Iced Earth. Hey, how are you? Just legendary guitarist and vocalist. I mean, just a, a pleasure to have you both in here. And like I said, I've been playing both of your music. Well, I, I started playing when I, when I started, essentially. Uh, before we get to the project, uh, Demons and Wizards, which is already one of the most highly anticipated uh, metal albums of the year mm-hmm. already, and I totally buy the hype because I had privy to listen to it beforehand. Uh, do you kind of get what I kind of what I just said to you, where you're an inspiration for someone? Where because you you both have been doing it for so long, do you, that often people come up to you and be like, "I've been listening to you since you know since I was in college, since I was in high school." Does that that still happen to for you both of you today? Oh yeah, lots. Uh, it's I think we're showing our age, Hansi. <laughs> exactly. You know, some people weren't even there when we started. You know, uh, thirty years ago, mm. and then you talk to people, and they pick our music up as an inspiration in their lives. And you know, well, you haven't even experienced the beginning of our career. That's kind of a very amazing feeling. And um, this is maybe all of it is the driving force. You know, people who get to you and tell you well, I've been inspired by you. You might be the main reason for me to be a metal fan or because of you, I started reading Tolkien or even started writing own stories, you know, and that is really something when I started, which I have not 
have in mind, but uh, it it is a very encouraging and very pushing uh, um, experience we're making. Does that motivate both of you to keep going? To, to people, or or is it something else? Is it the creative process for you, or is it perhaps the? Um, I guess the creative process, like in this new project. Well, I shouldn't say new. The, the album is new. Demons and Wizards. I don't want to keep teasing it. Uh, Demons and Wizards, uh, and it's just three, right? The album. Yeah. Because you couldn't tell, because it had like the three slashes across the side. I know it's a little the italic, so I was I want to make sure it's, it's it's Roman numeral three. We had the first album self titled, and and then Touched by the Crimson King came out in five. Yeah, yeah, two thousand five, and then this is three. But it's been a long time. It's been obviously. a long time, fifteen years. Yeah. So what motivates? I guess going back to the original question, is it to create something new, Demons and Wizards, or is it to kind of relive your old catalogs when you guys get a chance? What keeps you motivated in 2020? Well, it's uh, the urge, the urge to create uh, great music, and the knowledge that we both have that chemistry, and um, we always felt it was necessary to go back and do another album. We just never had the time. For me, it's for sure the fun. Yeah, it's uh, that. Of course, that's a big part of it. Our brotherhood, the driving. It's the driving thing of all of this. We were very dear friends many years before we discovered that we could write songs together. So that was, uh, you know, our, our journey together began in uh, 1991 when Ice supported Blind Guardian on our first European tour. And um, and we just, we lived on a bus together and amazing stories, lots of craziness and great times happened from that. And we there was a point where we ended up visiting each other when we were um, on vacation. You know, like Hansi came to Florida to to be on vacation, visited us and to see the state. And then I would spend time at his place when I would be, have a couple days on a promo tour or whatever. So we, we would hang out together whenever we could. And we, uh, at some point in the later part of the nineties, were partying and, uh, and accidentally discovered that we could write songs together. And then everything just came from that. So that's, <laughs> How do you accidentally, because I, I have no musical talent. That's why I, I'm, I, I'm on the radio. I, I, in, in speaking, I have no music played on the radio. How do you, is it just you're kind of doodling? I don't want, I don't want to minimize it. You're just kind of on your guitar and you're just coming, coming up with, with melodies uh, yeah, to it. How does that, how does that happen? It. Oh, all right. Maybe I know more than I think. <laughs> so then I guess, what is it about, because both of you have had so many, I'm sure, so many opportunities to work with other artists. How, what made you two bond? Was it just the uh, the way that you create music together that it came out organically, or is it something like we don't know that you both have like the same favorite movie or something? Basically, you nailed it again. Okay, uh, <laughs> it's it's pretty much we haven't spoken about you know becoming musicians or doing a project together. We never spoke about that for more than seven years, you know, in our friendship, and then we just discovered that, and up to the point now, it's like we understand each other blindly when it comes to songwriting so it's more like like a do you say symbiosity symbiotic yeah, yeah. Symbi- oh, okay yeah. um when when it comes to this there is not lo- a lot of talking there's nothing necessary you create art you create you know something new out of the nothingness to say so just by ba- uh, the um the encouraging no- knowledge that we have the the chance to work together. Right on, right on. How has the music and, and the writing changed for both of you? You obviously work well together, but even though you guys work well together, the the forces outside, you know, that that determine what is popular, what the trends are, 
have you changed at all? Like, have you both kind of worked together and changed together or is it kind of, is it the same thing that you were doing before? If that makes sense. I mean, we're both, we're both on, you know, our, our own journeys, just like all of us. And we're learning all the time, not just about, um, producing writing and producing records and stuff but just as as human beings and spirits and so the 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 artistic part of that i I personally believe comes from those the life journey it doesn't have anything to do with external forces or what somebody else's expectations are personally i don't care what other people think when it comes to my art i want them to enjoy it but that is not a, a deciding factor on the creation of the art it has to come from a from a very honest and sincere place for it to be true and to be accepted by people you know you know you never i mean you're never going to convince all the people and i don't even see the point in trying you have to like you have to set the standard for yourself as an artist and as a writer and singer whatever it is that you're doing and and you have to satisfy yourself and at that point there are going to be people that that will be into it because it's coming from a, a very honest place. So that's the only thing that I think you any of us should be concerned with. So we've Hansi and I've been though we've wanted to make a third record for a long time. Our bands are successful and busy, and mm-hmm. the the holes of our schedule were like at the opposite. You know, I could there'd be a time where I'd have some time, and Hansi's in the middle of a world tour. Or in the studio working on a Blind Guardian <laughs> record. And it was the same thing for me. Early in our careers, our schedules lined up quite a bit. We even did two European tours in, early in my in my career um, because our album cycles were dropping around the same time. But at some time, then we got off schedule and it became very hard to do something like Demons and Wizards to where you could really put all the time that it requires to do it right into it here until recently. And, and it just worked out that way. So, uh, but it, our musical journey and everything that we've done as individuals is a huge asset to what we are now doing together again and i'm sure we will do again in the future my feeling yeah music is you know especially the creation for music uh, is uh, coming from a source within and you cannot really conduct or dictate that you, you have to accept with whatever is willing to express itself to you and then you just pick up on that. And um, I said, the chemistry there seems to be quite good in between us. Do I want to match expectations? Yes, I of course want, you know, I want to be a successful musician. There's no doubt about that. Can I conduct it? No, not at all. And I just figured that it's uh, more and more difficult with, you know, the changes in the world and, you know, with people developing, as John mentioned. Uh, but But still, if something comes from your inner self and is sincere you will find people who will receive it positively sure and that's why you both have been so successful you know respectively in your respective bands and together again uh i mentioned before this is this album three uh, from demons and wizards is is already one of the most highly anticipated of of 2020 people can't wait to hear this crazy catholic collaboration come together again uh it's it's interesting though and the, i guess the reason why i asked that and it's why i love the metal genre so much we get disrespected, and at the same time, it's like we kind of want that, you know, because it, we we're true, we're honest, yep. you know, and that comes out in your music. Uh, I guess I'm just curious on your thoughts, because of course the metal was slapped in the face again by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You know, how do you feel about you know, because you're 
I mean, Hans, you're kind of being the same inspiration in ballpark as Judas Priest, and the same thing, and you know, Ice Earth. I'm, I got to imagine Ice Earth, and you're, I got to imagine you're influenced by, you know, by Lemmy to a degree. So, how do you feel that that still, after all these years, you know, metal still has a, such a hard time crossing over into the mainstream? It's a curse and a blessing, I would say. You know, there, that this protects the scene and and means that people who are part of this society, they're always proud about it because they have to gain their confidence from some, something else because it will never respect it fully outside. This is what my impression is. If they speak about a guy like Lemmy, then it's because he, you know, is also somehow a symbol for sex, drugs and rock and roll. It's not so much about his art or his music, mm. you know, and uh, that is how the outside r relates to it. And I have to live with it. I have come to terms with it. Um, is that always fair? Life isn't fair. <laughs> sure. I, man, you know, I don't actually give two shits about what these corporate people think about us or how they, it, it's like Hansi said, I mean, somehow that has protected and preserved. This is a way of life. This isn't just a marketing trend. That's mm -hmm. what the, the people that are in the business of selling it are into, but we're into this because we believe it. We live it. It's in our souls. That's where the music comes from. It's not a, it's not just some cookie cutter product. And I think a lot of these people and, you know, the the thing with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and all that that went down with all the, the drama with Kiss finally getting inducted. Right. You know, I mean, that's the, they deserved it way, way before that. And I completely understand and agree Paul Stanley's attitude towards it because, you know, at some point it just it's like a club of people. And if you're not in that club, then you don't count. Well, bullshit. We've got hundreds of thousands of fans that say that we do count. You know, and that's the reality of it. So I don't, I just don't, it, it doesn't matter to me whether they acknowledge the existence of me or my band or what I've done. I don't care. And that's a pretty sweet Kiss Cruise hat. I might. Thank you. I, might I had add. a great time. <laughs> I would like to go back again, but I got to work this year. But last oh, year okay. I was able to do it. Had a blast, man. It was great. Right on, right on. So then, because you both, which is, I mean, it's so great that you're you're still doing and putting out awesome music uh, all in 2020, but you both started in the mid-80s. I was born in 83. <laughs> Didn't you guys start around 83, 85? Yeah. So to bounce off what we were just talking about, the cookie cutter, you grew up, you were in the scene where hair metal was everywhere, Ooh. you know, that the metal was mainstream, but it wasn't really metal. You know, how did you, I guess, feel about that at the time? Were you, or were you kind of happy that people were maybe getting away from, from disco and, and other other oh, genres? I certainly was. I hated disco. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> I, I thought, it, you know, was that part of it was awesome. But you go ahead, man. You answer. I, 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 I totally felt privileged by being a part of this scene. I was into hard rock before and I was, you know, somehow at least uh, attracted by, by punk music as well. But then the new mm. wave of Brit British heavy metal took over. And um, that dictated my life for 10 years. And I did not really pay too much attention to the mainstreamish aspects of it. For me, a band like Judas Priest and I mean, they were superstars. And actually, they are superstars. Yeah. So nothing wrong with that. And I've been proud about them. And, um, you know, I've felt related to that. And as we see, it has been a strong inspiration. So... I must have been heavily attracted. <laughs> I mean, my from my childhood was uh, Kiss, man. You know, I mean, it's, I've been a fan for forty five years of mm -hmm. Kiss since the first album. My older sister turned me on to Kiss. We listened to them together. But I bought Kiss Alive the day it came out in September, whatever of nineteen seventy five. At seven years old, mm -hmm. that was the first album I bought with my own money. The day it came out, so I mean, I've been a 
a diehard fan and that that but I was all into Black Sabbath and Alice Cooper and uh Deep Purple and Zeppelin and that old wave of British heavy metal but not that Alice Cooper and Kiss were part of that but that was like the my early earliest experiences and then you know the when when I discovered Iron Maiden that was the game changer that's when that that was they were playing it at speeds at the time where it was like whoa you know and the the just ripping guitar harmonies big soaring vocals cool subject matter they weren't just they weren't talking about getting laid they were talking about these awesome parts of history and this dark stuff and all this all this really cool stuff and that that was it that's when i i knew that when whenever i was going to to start my own band that's the direction i wanted to go because I saw a priest open for Kiss in 1979. Wow! Yeah, it was uh, Hellbent for Leather tour. So I mean, you know, that I was exposed to that stuff. Uh, that was also my first show was 1979, seeing Kiss live on the Dynasty tour, and that that was the moment that I decided this is this is what I'm going to do. There's no question. That's what's going to happen. I just got to convince my dad to get me a guitar, and 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 then I'm going. You know, so mm. it never looked back. Right on. <laughs> well, just down the. The, the the hallway there, uh, Ace Freely did a uh, radio tour a couple months ago. Awesome! And as uh, as did all of Kiss, they came in. Yeah, so uh, cool. I can show you later. I can I can show off. I have a picture with Paul Stanley. Killer you know? man! I'm so cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, well, I I bought a couple of his paintings on the Kiss cruise, so I got to have a, a nice conversation with him, and it was good. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, I was very blown away. He's an awesome human. Before we get back to the album, of course, then, because if you didn't realize by the name of my podcast, it has a Guns N' Roses kind of theme. Because there are a lot of, you know, rock talk shows and, and just, I want to be a little bit different. So I always try to play a six degrees of, if you're familiar with six degrees of Kevin Bacon, I do GNR Bacon, if that makes any sense to you. <laughs> six degrees of separation. So I don't know if either of you have a personal connection with anything with the band, whether you met Slash or anything. But uh, if you don't, I want to preface it with uh, the conversation that we've been having. And that's when metal was mainstream and that was hair metal. Then in came Guns N' Roses and they were different. They were harder. You know, I'm watching, you know, I'm listening to your album three and I'm watching especially the video for, for Diabolic. And I'm thinking, what did these guys think at the time? Like you kind of when this supposed harder rock came in and then you guys are out playing what you're playing. Are you kind of still laughing or are you kind of like, yes, come closer radio, come closer to, you know, how, how we sound. I, I was hoping about that, you know, especially in the very late eighties and the beginning of the nineties, it looked also a little bit like that would be the case. And uh, if you look at the whole thing with regard to the nineties, then it was pretty much Metallica, Queensryche and um, Guns N' Roses keeping up the metal flame because, mm. uh, you know, other music music was coming in and was taking over very quickly. So everything else afterwards uh, um, completely um, escaped from the landscape. So you, you didn't have that much music to listen to back in the 90s, but these three bands and Iced Earth and Blind Guardian survived and um, yeah. we established, you know, our style even stronger. But it was completely out of discussion if that was made for radio or not. It was. It became the opposite. It was more and more difficult to be heard, you know, via the big channels. And you wouldn't consider them, because uh, I don't metal. Or do you, do you even consider them hair metal, given, like, with, given your... Who, Guns N' Roses? Yeah. No, yeah. I don't. I mean, I consider them a hard rock band. Yeah. Like, they, they make <laughs> me think of, you know, a, a maybe a slightly harder-edged Aerosmith. That's what I've always felt like yeah. with a, that scene. And I appreciated that more than... 
I mean, I thought there were some cool songs from bands like Rat and Cinderella and stuff, but I couldn't couldn't go for the image, man. That was a problem for me. Like, I, like the first, I could deal with the the first couple Motley Crue records and the and like the early Wasp, and it was grittier and everything. And I actually really enjoy those first couple Crue albums. But when it it just started to get too glam for me, and that's when I've always been into the darker stuff anyway. You know what I mean? Like it, that's just my thing, and I. When, by the time I had, had discovered Metallica and stuff, there there was no I wasn't really interested in in the the hair metal scene and that that whole deal. The only thing I really know uh, or have I mean we Ice Earth got to play with Guns N' Roses at Grass Pop a couple years ago. I think it was 2018. Okay, um, and that was cool. And then you know I know Axel's from Indiana, so that's I'm from Indiana, so okay. we have that in common. But that's about it. <laughs> that's about all right, all I know. I'll take it. Yeah, I'll yeah. take it. No, no connection. Uh... South Park. So. It's the best episode, you know, with uh, Winter Slash. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. Okay. That's that's brilliant. The Dutch call him Winter Slash. So I, I posted just now on my on my social media that you guys are in studio and uh, Dirk says, Hans, as in Hans from Blind Guardian. And he puts all these uh, exclamation marks and so people are excited. That's also very German. <laughs> I just watched Die Hard. I'm so sorry. I'm a terrible American. Uh, and, and Stefan said, uh, like many Ice Earth, Earth videos, it was filmed here in Serbia. So I guess, did you guys film videos out there? Yeah, we did. Um, and Blind Guardian, Ice Earth, Blind Guardian, and Demons and Wizards have filmed videos there. We did uh, wow. our Black Flag video, the pirate video that was in, I think, in, I don't remember, man, 16 or 17, whatever year it was. And then we did Diabolic and uh, Wolves in Winter, which hasn't been released yet. But we did those this summer. Uh Demons and Wizards did. While we were performing, we flew in the holes of the schedule um, to Serbia and, and did the videos there. Oh, that's amazing. And that's a great jumping off point. So the video, which is out now, Diabolic, that was shot in Serbia? Yes. I mean, that video. Wow. Yeah, it's cool. Wow. I just wa- I, I watched it more than once. Because, I mean, the song is amazing. Yeah. You know, it, by, by, and alone, but the video... How would you describe it? Because I can only think it's like a video game. It's like the the most epic Doom level you've ever seen. Yeah, it's pretty cool, man. <laughs> you know, so who who should we credit for all the CGI effects, like putting it together? Who should we uh, credit? iCode. It's Ivan. iCode. Yeah. That's the Serbian guys, basically. Yeah. You know, we have had our share in the storyboard, of course, and we, you know, composed the song. So uh, we provided them with that material and we came up with a lot of ideas the video as well but uh the cgi stuff and especially how it is edited it is certainly adapted to them yeah like high quality yeah they're they're great yeah. man i mean they really are and it's stuff that we can and our you know you can do something like that it's affordable there if you do that stuff in in the states or in western europe it's going to cost yeah. significantly more money okay yeah. i'm sure yeah, it was fun it was really fun yeah. doing it you know all the blue screen stuff we did Ooh. <laughs> do you it's got, adventurous really do you guys like making videos is that part of the the job that you like or i like kind of doing like that action? kind of i like doing that kind of video <laughs> he's that, more interacting yes. than i am and that's for sure um you know it it is a necessity to say so you guys look good in suits i'll yeah. say that <laughs> yeah it was cool i i just that kind of video is fun because you it, it's outside of the box you know doing the typical performance video uh, yeah it's not that's not really you just going over and over and over and doing the same shit over and over. That's not as fun. But when we do something as creative and theatrical as this, I, as this was, I, I actually really did enjoy it. It was fun. So obviously we can we can check out you know Diabolic online right now and 
you know, it's already like closing in and like half a million views already. And like I said, the it's the, the video along with the song is completely epic. So what could fans expect from the rest of the album, the, the new uh, Demons and Wizards? Epic, epic, epic. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. <laughs> Add roller coaster ride to it and you're there. It's really emotional. It's uh, very diverse uh, and it features aspects of demons and wizards which you haven't heard on the first two albums but still we make the link like in diabolic uh, to our glorious past and i believe it's going to attract a lot of people even the ones which might not be familiar with demons and wizards because it's it's very unique yeah and you if you're you know being having a guns and roses central podcast the song midas disease might be up your alley because that's the first time hansi and i have have ever done a that kind of a fist in the air just hard rock anthem i mean i've never done that with iced earth he's never done it with blind guardian we've certainly never approached that type of dynamic together and it's it's uh it's got a very cool acdc vibe to it and that that came out just a week ago or so or something um so that that's kind of a cool thing to some of your listeners might be into. No, as I mentioned, I'm reading comments live off my Facebook that to people that were uh, excited to hear from you. So uh, they'll 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 dig it all. But obviously, you know, for those of them are who are on the fence that only for some reason only like Guns and Roses. Okay, sure, <laughs> that sounds well. Good. But I mean, this is a it's a unique dynamic for Demons and Wizards. This that's why I brought up that song, and it is more in the the hard rock vein, you know. But we have there you, every dynamic from classic rock to straight up. Raging heavy metal is on this Demons of Wizards record. And just for sure. hearing from you, John, you can you can tell why because of all the influences that you've had over the years. Oh yeah, sure. You, know, you guys are both total like survivors, and yep, you know for sure. It's it's it's, it's just <laughs> on a high a, level. Yeah, <laughs> on, on a high level, absolutely. Because that's what's amazing. Because you both have been your your best friends, you know, your thunder buddies, and you just haven't been able to get together to make this next record because you're both so successful with your other bands. Right, which is just—it's just a testament, not it's to a, be, not to, not to play a pun off the band name, but that's a testament to you know who you both are as musicians. Yeah, it's a good problem to have. Yeah, that we're you know we stay that busy and we're that successful, but it's for the diehard Demons Wizards fans. Sometimes it can take a little while before we get to make new records. So. And obviously, you'll be touring <laughs> this. We obviously did the touring last year. Blind <laughs> <laughs> Guardian and I surf take over. Um, we oh, okay. discussed, you know, uh, additional shows in the summer, but it would take too much time away again. So okay. uh, we have to leave it for now okay. and then find a spot later on, maybe in 21, 22, whenever there is a call, an urge for Demons and Wizards, we are uh, willing to heed that call. But for now, we have to go back and, you know, work on Blind Guardian, nice stuff stuff. You may not know, but any chance of like maybe like a random festival as opposed to a full-blown tour, maybe you both have off a weekend and you do uh, just like a random festival is it's that? It's the same amount of work for us, you know. Okay. We really have to come back uh, top-notch because what we did uh, last summer was really amazing and impressive. And uh, we need to build up on that, which means we have to come up with a bigger production. We have to do this and that and that. And of course, uh, the rehearsals, getting a band together, together, all that stuff keeps us busy for at least six to eight months. Okay. Even yeah. if it's just one show. There's, it's really it, it, totally, it's totally accurate. I mean, we set the bar and we can never go backwards from that. So anything that we do and because we have commitments and we knew this early on, I mean, you know, we spent just over a year on, on this with touring and with the new record and the re-release of the back catalog. And, and, uh, 
So when there's going to be shows in the future, they, uh, they're, they're going to be at a high level, production-wise, visually, theatrically, everything. So it's, it's not just, you know, let's get together and jam. We can't really do that. It would be cool. But, I, I but got gotcha. you. Yeah. All right. Well, I look forward to that in the future. But I mean, in the meantime, there's nothing wrong with Iced Earth being on tour and Blind Guardian being on tour. So And yeah. having an album all like that, you know. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Uh, Demons and Wizards 3 out February uh, 21st. Of course, you can watch the epic video uh, right now for, for Diabolic. I can't thank you enough, uh, John and Hans, for, for coming in and spending some, some time with me today. Great fun. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. You got Appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. You know, I didn't want to say it uh, to to Hans and, and John. It's like a, a different version of Hans and Franz. God, I'm so glad he <laughs> he wasn't, uh, Hans wasn't offended whenever I tried to do a German accent, which just came out organically. I guess wasn't trying to. But uh, but Jay, who's on the phone with us now, we're going to get to our, our fan obsession segment in a second. But whenever they kept mentioning, because we, we spoke about, because I know you weren't on the line then, Jay, that we that they shoot their videos. They shot the most recent video in uh, Serbia, and I just kept. Th- I don't know if you're a horror movie guy. I just kept thinking of the movie, a Serbian film, and unless you're as messed up as me or Slash, and if you follow Slash on social media, you know kind of like how messed up he is. <laughs> like his his, uh, his sense of humor. Let's call it like that. You never want to watch a Serbian film. It is one of the most messed up. Horror, I guess you can call it a horror movie that I've ever seen. Anyway, uh, so let's <laughs> good. It's again, unless you're you're fucked up like me or Slash, you don't want to see a Serbian film. Anyway, <laughs> the thing that all of us want to see, all of us want to take part in, and which is what uh, Jay is going to do right now. Uh, we're going to take part in the segment we call Fan Obsession. Fan Obsession. So today we have Jay from. Do we think say Jay from Baltimore, uh, essentially? Yeah. Okay. All right. Because yeah. uh, I I may want to say your full name because it's cool. Is it your real name, Jay Trucker? That is, yeah, Trucker, uh, like a truck driver. I always tell people. <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> you sound like a truck driver, but you were telling me off the air that you're you're a teacher. You're an English yeah. teacher, or what subjects do you teach? Yeah, English mostly. Uh, freshman composition. Um, at the community college. Oh, that's cool. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Somebody who's actually changing the world, unlike uh, well, unlike me. Endeavoring to. <laughs> Endeavor. You're changing the world. You're you're letting us know more about Guns and Roses. Uh, that's true. I'll take that. So so Jay from uh, from Baltimore is our, our our next contestant. I don't know what you want to call it. Uh, fan obsession where, you know, we talk to you, the Guns and Roses fan. The, the you the appetite for distortion listener to get your story you don't have to be famous to have a great story you know you just people have stories so uh, i put it out there on social media of course if you follow uh, uh, the afd show on on twitter on facebook and on instagram we are uh, the appetite for distortion program is on instagram i i want to get your stories and you can submit them and i, I and i'm I've been overwhelmed it, it's been great for the people who want to come on and uh, and be on this podcast. So Jay was uh, nice enough to volunteer. And the first thing he said, we we didn't know it at the time, but we met kind of all those years ago. I don't know if we met, but we were in the same we were in the same room. We were breathing the same right. air as Buckethead. Right. <laughs> if he breathed, right. I don't know how he 
how he uh, does he have like photosynthesis? Like how does he like operate? He's I not- assume he breathes, but I guess it's I I don't know. I mean, wearing a mask indoors in general probably couldn't be able to breathe. But then a, a chicken ha- a chicken bucket that yeah. seems really difficult. Yeah. He does it. He does it somehow. Uh, so what I'm alluding to, because I mentioned on the show before, my first Guns N' Roses show ever was 2002 at Madison Square Garden. And that was the, uh, I guess, the comeback tour. They tried to have it uh, labeled as, or you know, not technically, but the Chinese Democracy Tour in 2002. And last episode, we, we discussed uh, the, the show after. That did not happen. And then the last uh, Phantom Session interview that we that we did, uh, the, the Philadelphia show that got, got canceled. And I thought, I don't know if you thought the same thing, Jay, uh, that, that that was it. We were never going to see Axl Rose yeah. again. We were never going to see Guns N' Roses again. I can't believe. So was that your, your first Guns N' Roses show ever? Are you like me? Yeah, that was my first show. Um, so I was 22. So prior to that, they hadn't really toured at a time when I could have gone to the show, certainly by myself. Right. Um, and, you know, they had been, we're, I think we're both from that era where we knew Guns N' Roses and we kind of grew up with Guns N' Roses, but we didn't have the opportunity to see Guns N' Roses in any form. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. this this was it. You know, it didn't matter if he had, you know, uh, Buckethead or Mr. Bucket or Mr. Potato Head. It didn't matter who he was playing with. He was like, this is going to, we're going to see Axl Rose. No, it, exactly. Yeah. And so we had, I think it was a couple of months after the MTV Awards, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because I remember, I think I forgot to I, I'd say this. Uh, I think I bought the tickets for myself and my then girlfriend at the time, and then we broke up. So then I had, a, oh. thankfully, one of my friends bought the, uh, the $90 floor seat. Uh, um, yeah, we actually were pretty close to each other then. I was on the floor. For that. Okay, yeah, I was way in the back. It was still floor, but I, I could barely see anything. But I wanted to say, yep. oh, I'm on the floor for Guns N' Roses. So you were the same thing? You were on the floor of uh, the garden? I was at the garden um, in the back on the floor. You know, it was just under 100 a person. It was uh, myself, my friend Mark, and my friend Greg. And, uh, yeah, I remember thinking how expensive it was, but now that would be an absolute steal for the floor <laughs> A hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, we we had seen the uh, music awards, and uh, I went back and watched them later. They're not as bad as at the time I think people had made it out to be, but it was still shocking. You know, it was a very different Axl Rose, and it was a completely different band. Sure, um, yeah. You know, so, I mean, D- you know, Dizzy was there, but even Dizzy looked like a different person. <laughs> yes, he did. Uh, so it was like it just looked like maybe this maybe there are no original members in this band because that's not the axle I really know and uh, this guy's got a, a chicken bucket on his head and um, you know got Sid Vicious on bass and the whole thing was kind of crazy but it sounded awesome you know? yeah it was really weird and, and I'll be honest I, I I think I used to not in a while but I would watch that video uh, just the whole recording of Jimmy Fallon introducing them and just to kind of get amped because I just thought that was the coolest thing. And if you go back, like he he does lose his voice uh, a little bit during uh, uh, Welcome to the Jungle. Like he loses his breath a little bit, but he was probably so amped up and hyper and like, oh my God. So, uh, I mean, 
he was just doing things that you probably shouldn't do if you want to, uh, you know, really show off your vocal range. Um, and he learned pretty quickly after that not to not to do full on sprints, which I think is just something you know when you when you get into adulthood is probably a good idea. If you're going to sprint, you're not going to you're not going to be able to use your voice as much. So he hadn't learned it quite at that point yet. Sure. But it wasn't a, you know it wasn't a terrible performance, and uh, I think Madagascar was in that um, medley, right? It was, and I had no yeah. idea what that was at the time. I'm like, what song and that is was that? Cool. I, mean, I thought that was a good like early, early uh, Chinese democracy track. So, but obviously it created a bit of a hush on the award show crowd. Yeah, yeah. No, that that's, I mean, that's an iconic moment in the band's history. I, I, I've told, I guess, yeah. I guess, as I just mentioned, I I used to watch the performance over and over again, and you know, just a quick, the quickly sidebar. I don't know about you, but I'm I. I just don't feel good anymore talking about like whether it's Axel's voice or uh, most recent criticism has, has been over a David Lee Roth's voice. I mean, they are going to entertain me better than anybody who may be classically trained or hits all the right notes at the right time. They're not Axel. They're not David Lee Roth. So, you know, good performance, bad performance. I kind of just leave that as did, did a riot happen? Is, is that the bad performance? Right. That, that's <laughs> yeah. what I, I, I don't. Well, that's kind of what I look for. Is is there violence? Are you coming on the stage uh, on time? That's that's mainly what I care about. But as far as right. you know, all the vocal stuff, um, I'm, I'm sorry. It, it's 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 fine. It's good. I mean, not everyone's always going to sound the same. But again, I'm not going to be entertained by anybody else uh, who could quote unquote sing better or uh, hit yeah. the right notes. Yeah, I mean, um, that's the thing I, I was just thinking about the 2002 era and how critical people were. But I mean, um, anytime that I've seen them, I, they've all been great shows, um, you know, some better than others, but um, you know, I also think that the, the way that some of these uh, cell phone videos get up there for more current shows, they don't capture a lot of the sound anyway. Right. So, right. Um, you know, it's always been a fun show. Um, when I was writing reviews for, um, the midnight sun, uh, sometimes I would try to take in audience reception. So I'm kind of gauging what other people think about a show. Um, whether it's a band like Guns N' Roses that I love, or, uh, I, sometimes I had to do that. If it was a band, I didn't know that well, it seemed like the fair thing to do wasn't what's my reaction, but what is the fans reaction? Um, and so sometimes that varied based on the shows that I've been to, because I've been to, I'm trying to think if it's 13 or 14 at this point. Well, you, um, you wrote to me, and some of these are covered, and you mentioned uh, that you used to write for the uh, the Baltimore Sun, their their midnight uh, section, right? What was it What was it referred to as? Sun. So, sorry, you're cutting out? Sorry, uh, it was called the Midnight Sun. Midnight. Uh, it was their online, the, the nightlife portion of, uh, the Baltimore Suns website. So that was cool because um, I'd get better tickets than, you know, I could normally get on my own or that wouldn't cost me an arm and a leg. And I right on. got to see the bands and uh, I, I had a lot of fun, especially writing about a band that I've loved forever because uh, my fandom to Guns N' Roses goes back to Appetite for Destruction when I was just a little kid. So, so I want to ask you before we get to, and you wrote to me that you've seen them uh, 14 times since we both got, went to go see them at uh, Madison Square Garden in 2002. So, before we get to some of the ones that you covered, 
in uh, some of the most memorable shows that you've been to. How did you get into GNR? Yeah, uh, well, I was I was kind of raised on MTV, you know, and uh, the video era, and uh, I think, I, I, you know, it, it might have been sweet child of mine because I don't know, you know, I, I, eventually my parents bought me the, the cassette. They uh, were worried about the parental advisory, so they listened to it through. <laughs> did and they? We had our first, like, you know, sort of real talk about, like, well, you know, we, there's some questionable stuff in here, but we, we want you to be able to listen to it because, you know, we don't think it's that bad. So they they were trying to be open-minded about it, and huh. ultimately they were. So, uh, yeah, I got into it sort of on my own that way. And uh, and from there, I I took to the whole album. I found, as a as someone who was like in elementary school, I found parts of it kind of outrageous. Sure. Um, yeah, and I convinced myself it was not. I couldn't. It wasn't anything I could relate to. Uh, <laughs> I convinced myself that some songs sounded so different that it probably wasn't Axl Rose. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Actually, I think I said it on the podcast or maybe you, I, I guess posted on social media, but uh, my most recent Guns N' Roses show was this past October in Austin, Texas at the uh, Austin City Limits Festival. And I mean, my girlfriend's a Dave Matthews fan. I mean, I, I don't know what else to say, uh, but she had never listened to Appetite through. I mean, she knew Welcome to the Jungle. She's a sweet child. She knew the hits she's heard on the radio, but she, so she's never listened to it through. And probably where your parents came in with the parental advisory, which is track two, it's so easy. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I, I would never want to have that conversation about uh, with my mom about bitches turning around and having a use for them. I don't. Yeah. yeah. That's weird. Yeah. Thankfully, <laughs> you didn't get into the specifics. Okay. You know. <laughs> yeah. Thank God. But that, also, when that went from track one to track two, welcome to It's So Easy, my girlfriend's like, is that the same guy? Yeah. Right. That, that's Axel. So I. That must have been the song where I said, you know, the rest of the record is one thing, but this song that I think is objectionable, you know, for whatever I would have thought of it at that time, that, that's probably a, a different singer, I think. Yeah. You know? Well, <laughs> you're, you obviously, you, you weren't the only one. You're not the only right. one to uh, November Rain, have a, have a November Rain moment right there. But what's great, and before I lose it, is that you mentioned that you first got it on cassette. And recently mm -hmm. on social media, I put it out there. I'm like, what was I, I? I probably could have phrased it a little bit differently, but I wanted to know how did you listen to Guns N' Roses the first time? So I put up, you know, cassette, CD, was streaming, vinyl, and miscellaneous. Like some people just answered, "Oh, I saw them in concert. I saw them on the radio." I'm like, oh, "I heard them on the radio." I'm like, "Okay, okay." Yeah, I was just trying to make a, a fun uh, post, and it, it kind of went viral a little bit amongst our community, and plenty of retweets and shares, and a lot of comments on on social media that you just got it through cassette. You know, my first time was with a CD, and I think that's you know that's cool to find out how we Guns N' Roses fans you know really digest uh, the music for the first time, because uh, it's certainly different to go from cassette and, and CD. You know, I really could go track by track. I knew what was coming up. You know, cassette, yeah. cassette, you, you kind of had to guess. It makes sense because um, for Use Your Illusion, I would have had, I would have bought that on uh, CD at uh, Nobody Beats the Wiz. <laughs> Nobody beats me because I'm the Wiz! But it was a different experience and 
because with the with the cassette, you certainly didn't have to listen to it all the way through, but you were strongly encouraged to. Uh, otherwise, you're skipping around a lot. So, but what a what a perfect record, you know, to get and have and sort of be forced to listen to the entire thing, because there's no weak points on it. Use your illusion one and two. You might not want to listen to every single song every single time. Yeah, I I don't want to listen to the uh, don't don't cry alternate lyrics. It's just it's, it, it hurts my head. I'm like, this isn't the song. I know the song. I want to sing along to it. And I, so yeah, I and just being in radio, some songs I've I've heard on the radio way way with too much. So I'll skip. So yeah, no for uh, for sure. So people might I've digested GNR differently depending upon when you you grew up. So since that 2002 show. You've seen mm-hmm. them, because I, I think the most recent one for me was only like my sixth or maybe seventh. You've seen them 14 okay. times. That's what you wrote to me. Yeah. So 14. Yeah. So give me some of the other shows that you've been to. Okay. You want me to go uh, maybe in chronological through some highlights or? Uh, Sure. Sure. Why not? Uh, so Hammerstein, I think we, so the second show I went to was the Hammerstein 2006 show with Sebastian Bach. Very nice. Um, I think you, you might have said you wrote that one as well. I, I think I didn't. I had tickets, and this was. I think I was living in uh, Cape Cod at the time, doing radio there, and I didn't go home because I had to work. But I saw that extended tour uh, when they went to Ottawa, uh, because gotcha. it, it was it was oh six, yeah. It was uh, Suicide Girls, it was Sebastian Bach, and then uh, GNR. Yeah, so I saw that tour twice when they did the warm ups in the spring uh, at, at the smaller venues that went up to New York. And then um, they played the Baltimore Arena. It's the only time in the modern era that they've played uh, Baltimore so far. I'm still waiting for like a stadium visit or something. But um, we get skipped a lot in Baltimore because Philly and uh, DC are, uh, are. Has ever been yeah, a Has ever been a show at uh, Camden Yards? Camden Yards. Uh, Billy Joel played recently. It was the first concert they'd had there in like ten years. Okay. Um, Metallica did, um, they actually opened the Hardwired Tour at uh, the Raven Stadium, M&T Bank. Okay. But it's rare. It doesn't happen, it doesn't happen a ton. But uh, in 2006, uh, the Guns N' Roses came through, played the Baltimore Arena, and it made the news because um, they paid the late ordinance fee in advance. Huh. There was a, a, either an 11 p.m. or midnight uh, live event curfew and they paid it that morning or something that they were just like, yeah, we're going to go late. So, uh, that was kind of, uh, that was interesting. It was the only time I've heard of a band actually doing that around here. I think at the time they were doing that anywhere they went that had a noise ordinance, uh, curfew, but that was, that tour was awesome. I mean, they, they sounded great on that tour. That was, uh, Bumblefoot came in and, um, I thought that uh, the band was really tight at that at that time. And then the next time I saw them was 2011 at the Izon Center. Um, and I thought uh, by then, it was the DJ Ashba era, and that show didn't sell really well. So uh, that was, it was kind of a bummer because, you know, there were still, the set list is the set list, right? Um, but at that point, um, the, the venue was too large. Um, and no one wants to hang out in East Rutherford for no reason. So, um, <laughs> For those who don't know, East Rutherford uh, 
New Jersey. The only times I've ever been there is to go to a Giants game. Or, right. Yeah, I think I saw Metallica at the Meadowlands as well. Oh, and then um, GNR was there, you know, years later. It was a couple years ago. Uh, they, um, didn't they, they played the Meadowlands, right? Didn't they? Or am I thinking... Uh, yeah, this is, uh, were you talking about the 2011 show? No, I'm talking about... Uh, uh, not in this lifetime. That tour probably came through uh, 2017, right? Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, it was one of those because that was the the first time I saw Axel and Slash together. I think it was. I think it was. The okay, God, my brain is mush. You're talking about when they played the um, the football stadium. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they did come through there um, on, in 2016 when they did the initial run of uh, of stadiums. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. So, uh, but after that, they came down and they, do you remember when they, they did like a club tour pretty much? And uh, they played the Fillmore down here in Silver Spring, which is uh, just north of DC. And uh, that was also a great show because it was, it's like a 2000 seat standing room, but it's like a 2000 capacity venue. Um, but that was another one that went until three o'clock in the morning. So, uh, I was supposed to have the review in by 9 a.m., and I, I couldn't. I think I got it in at noon. It was the only time I ever had a late submission. Which huh. I got, as a teacher, I was very uh, embarrassed by, but I didn't have a lot of choice. <laughs> so, <laughs> you didn't stay up and uh, and write it out. You didn't pull an old nighter. Uh, I, I mean, it would have been pretty nonsensical. So. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Um, did you write a review before? We, 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 I, I miss it. Did Did you write a review for that show that didn't sell well? No, because that was I was when I was working uh, when I was doing the stuff for the Sun. Um, I was doing it was most. It had to have been Maryland. It had to be within their range. Oh, so I, I gotcha. The 2011 show was in uh, was in North Jersey. I just went up there. I was actually on the way to a friend's wedding. And uh, the timing worked out, but um, yeah, they we were up in the high rise, you know, up in the cheap seats, and it was just very sparsely attended. I think the record had been out for three years, and people had probably seen them the last tour and felt like, you know, they were playing all those songs anyway. And it there was a, I think, even in 2006, there was like a lot of curiosity of what is this new Guns N' Roses. And uh, later on, you know, 2011, 2012, the demand wasn't there. Yeah, uh, it, it was it was an odd time. You know, it's like I, I I like all the kind of members who have gone in and out. I mean, of course, the, you, you love the classic, and I'm never going to get into one of those uh, feuds as far as you know. This guitar player is better than that one. You know, I, I appreciate. I appreciate all of it. I, I think Axel has done a, a really great job of getting special people to fill in, you know, roles that seem to be unf- unfillable. You know, how do you, it's like what he said at the yeah. end of that uh, 2002 VMAs, you know, how do you recreate something that already was? How do you rebuild something that got so big and replace yeah. virtually every person on the crew, every single thing? Yeah. And how do you make a whole bunch of guys or something else into something that already was? So I I do like the DJ Ashbros. I do like the Bumblefoots, but it's it just kept changing. You know, it's it, it's it, it would have been interesting to see 
when he came back for the 2001 House of Blues show, and you know maybe Paul didn't work out, Paul Tobias, and and maybe yeah. they got to get, they, maybe they got one other new guitar player, whatever, whether that was Richard Fortas, and they stuck with the same lineup for a while. That's the point I'm getting at. I think it's because you know Buckethead had just left, you know, and he was mm-hmm. the and he was the one that everyone saw on MTV, and like who is this guy? And mm-hmm. I, but it just it just kept changing. Then it's just like okay, well, what is this? I think a lot of the general public was saying like, this is just Axel with a bunch of guys. I mean, we we right. all knew as super fans what was going on, but right, you know, I right. I remember. It, the now defunct Roseland Ballroom here in New York City. I uh, went to go see Guns N' Roses there, and uh-huh. I remember, uh, you know, seeing. I'm taking a picture of the marquee where it says Guns N' Roses, and this is when DJ was in the band. And I think that's uh-huh. that's actually the show. I, I think that's where I met Scotto, my former co-host. Uh, even I- though we both worked at Sirius, we had never met, but we met at a GNR show. Uh, I guess I remember some random woman on the street seeing us taking a picture of the the GNR sign and and saying, is that really Guns N' Roses inside? And me and, yeah. Ian, and Ian and yeah. I are like, oh, well, <laughs> how do you start that conversation? Like, technically, so I think it's just... copyright, yeah. Yeah, right. it's hard. Yeah. I mean, yeah, legally, they're, they're Guns N' Roses, but it's not right. what you remember. <laughs> so uh, it's it, it's just been interesting, so... Uh, what are some of the other shows? Because that's you've seen a lot in, in a short yeah, amount of time. Yeah. Well, there became something really cool. So after that um, sort of half-empty arena tour, when they went to the started doing club shows, and probably that was the next year they came around. They played Roseland, I'm sure. Um, that's probably it. it yeah. became, I thought that um, there was something really cool about that. You know, not just being able to see them in smaller venues that are always going to be more personal, but that there was almost like a nod to where we want to cater to the fans that really want to see us, Um, you know, and, and maybe that was out of necessity, but it it resulted in like some of these really great shows. So when I went out to uh, Las Vegas, I saw them on the first residency and it was floor, you know, floor tickets, and everyone up front was just going ballistic for every single song. And the more, you know, sort of deep cut or the, the more um, off-centered the selection, the happier people were. It was, it was really cool. It played until 3 o'clock in the morning again, but it was Vegas. So, yeah, it, well, you know, it didn't bother anybody. <laughs> <laughs> to be expected. Right. So uh, those were really fun. And I was actually kind of I had some trepidation when they announced the reunion because I just thought, well, geez, now it's going to be back to super expensive tickets. And, you know, they're talking about stadiums. And um, so that, you know, there was a little part of me that was like, well, this era is kind of gone. And it was a really fun era to go and be able to see them up close and uh, be around some fans that were super into it. But um, I managed to forget that and get really into the stadium tour anyway. So. Sure, no, I know what you mean. Uh, for those, I think in our community, that I mean, you could be a polar opposite and because not like that era. There are those people that you know. Uh, let's just yeah. call them the the Guns N' Roses version of uh, Never Trumpers. Like they're just you know, yeah. this is Guns N' Roses. Nothing else is Guns N' Roses. All right, I'm not talking about the, you know those kind of fans. And everyone's entitled to their opinion, of course. But 
I think that era of Guns N' Roses is, is really special to people because that's when you really yeah. got to know the band. You got to really meet the band. And I mean, sometimes you got to take a step back and be like, well, yeah, while they're Guns N' Roses, they are still kind of up and coming with as with these new players. And that's how it starts out. And then eventually you just, you get too big and you got to move out of mom's house. You know, it's just, it just gets too big. Uh, it would be cool to see Axel and Slash and the current version of GNR to do clubs, but I mean, you know, I, I can't imagine the amount of uh, uh, pop uh, the the max capacity rules that they would break. It just it just wouldn't make right. any sense. But that, I think the the piggyback off what you said that era is special because you got to be up close and purse up think, close and in person. And I wondered too if like some of some of the people that are, you know, the never, you know, the never bumblefooters or the never, <laughs> never bucketheaders. There you go. Uh, if they, you know, if part of that discussion is generational. So if you had an opportunity to see Guns N' Roses when it was the original five or even on Use Your Illusion, that you were, that was your Guns N' Roses. But for people like us, we never had that opportunity. Right. So, You're right. you know, Axel and company, that was our Guns N' Roses. And knowing that, now it's going to be this big reunion run. Um, you know, you knew you were going to be losing something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, we're, yeah. we're losing something and, and, and I guess gaining something as well. But you're right. I'm like, this is my Guns N' Roses. You know, Axel and Slash hate each other. This is the band I'm supporting, uh, you know, and, and that's it. And then this Not In This Lifetime thing happened and it threw us all for for a crazy uh, ride that's that's still going. <laughs> <laughs> So, ending. so what other uh, what other what, what other notables like is there a favorite show I mean, we, we don't have to go through all 14 but uh, what are some of your yeah. favorite shows that you've been to okay um, I guess well, uh, let me think uh, FedEx Field in 2016 was I think it was the third show of the stadium run and uh, I sprung for really expensive floor tickets for that um, but that was awesome you know because i did i went into that thinking maybe this won't be as much fun as seeing them you know in las vegas with with 2500 people or something and uh it, it blew me away it was great uh seeing them back together and having just having that kind of crowd come together for a rock show you know which um you don't get that much of anymore sure so I, that was pretty awesome um my my partner, my girlfriend at the time, my, my wife, she came with me and, um, you know, she had a blast. So getting to get her into Guns N' Roses in that way, uh, that was pretty awesome, too. And then um, on that same run in the summer, I went with a couple of friends to Philly and then to uh, Cincinnati where uh, Adler played. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, I was at an Adler show and I was at an Izzy show in 2006, but the Adler show, there was a lot of buzz about it. And I think there was a couple of cities where they said he was coming and, and he never showed. And then he, he popped up for the first time in Cincinnati. So, so were people talking about it in the crowd? Or are you talking, uh, are we saying that like people on the forums are spreading rumors? Like how, what was the buzz? Uh, I think it was making to some of the forums and blabbermouth. Um, and my friend and I had kind of, gone back and forth about it. My friend Bart is probably a bigger fan than I am. Um, and we were just kind of like, wouldn't it be cool if, and then all of a sudden he pops up and then, you know, like lightning, he's gone. <laughs> I think he did two songs. 
I think that was when he was doing two songs. So, uh, but you know, he was up there, he was happy as a clam and yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> so <laughs> right on. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen, uh, seen him a couple of times solo and he, he always has that kind of, he's just happy to be playing music and out there, you know? Oh, totally. It's... So that was a highlight. And then just this last time we saw them headline, uh, louder than louder than life down in Louisville back in September. Okay. Yeah. And that was a great show because, uh, it was a whole, it was such a packed lineup. So ice cube was just before them, uh, which, you know, that's like a contrast and that was a great show. Uh, God smack Andrew WK. It was just a really cool day. Um, and, uh, it was, you know, an outdoor festival kind of a vibe. So, yeah, it was like, uh, what I went to in, uh, Austin, Texas. I got to see, yeah. Billy Eilish, uh, <laughs> the Rock on Tours, uh, The Cure, uh, which was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it was interesting to go from Billy Eilish to Guns N' Roses. That was that was that was something. Yeah. Uh, That's a change. <laughs> <laughs> Times but, have changed. But Duff said he. I think Duff said he loves Billy Eilish. So. I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> to be honest with you, I'm. It's not like I'm a super fan of her music. Bad Guy's a cool song, but she can sing. You know, I like her vibe. If you if you watch her interviews, you know, she seems like, yeah. a, like a cool girl. Uh, and I don't give her too much fault for for not knowing who Van Halen was or is. Because nah. um, <laughs> I do that with my brothers sometimes because I, I forget. If I, I, I'm 36. All my younger brothers, we're all four years apart. And okay. I, I whenever I listen to classic rock radio or just my my own playlist, I'll go to them. Who's this? Who's, who's this? I like, try to teach them. And I, sometimes they know, sometimes they don't. But it was a few years ago that uh, my brother Logan, who's eight years younger than me, he goes, you ever hear of this band uh, ELO? I'm like, Electric Light Orchestra? He's like, yeah, they're really good. I'm like, yes, they are. They've been around yeah. since before I was born. So it's it's fun with how you know the younger generations or when the younger generations find out about uh, these iconic bands. Usually, you don't find out. You, you don't have those moments on Jimmy Kimmel. But I, I'm not going to give her too much hate. There, there's a lot worse and a lot less talented people out there than Billie Eilish for sure. Yeah, no, she's 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 definitely legitimately talented. I think she writes all of her own stuff and everything too. Yeah, her and her brother. You know? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, no, uh, totally. Because as I my, I was kind of uh, cramming like all this Guns N' Roses knowledge and music into my girlfriend to prepare for that trip. She was doing the same thing uh-huh. with, Bill, with Billie Eilish to me. So I, I probably know more than I, I, I should. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it does, doesn't it? Uh, so you've also seen, uh, you know, as we kind of like wrap up uh, here, you've seen. Slash solo and hookers and blow. How have those experiences been? Yeah, I've seen Slash. I've seen hookers and blow, and I've seen um, uh, just thinking back to the couple of times that I saw Adler's Appetite. Oh, wow. um, so I think one of the Adler stories and uh, one of the and the hookers and blow story are both kind of unique. So um, Adler's Appetite came around in 2011, and they played a nightclub. It wasn't even like a club, like a rock club or a music. It was a straight-up nightclub uh, called Bourbon Street. Um, it was part of a Monday night promotion with a radio station. They did 98 Rock is the radio station oh, yeah. down here. Okay. I think I yeah. applied there one, like back in the day. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, if you, you know, 
if an opening pops up, let me know. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but um, they played the 98 Rock Noise in the Basement, so it was 98 cent drink specials. Oh, God. But most of the most of the people there weren't there to see Adler. So there was like a dozen or so of us that were like there because, you know, we wanted to see him. We knew he played pretty much all of Appetite and then a couple of random Guns N' Roses songs. And then there was a bunch of kids looking for cheap drinks. So that was, that was odd. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I can imagine that being an awkward situation. It was super awkward. Yeah. I mean, it was a a mixing of, of a couple of different worlds, but, um, and then Pokers and Blow played a bar called Bar 13 in Wilmington, Delaware. It was maybe just like two years ago. And um, that was that was a unique experience. It's like a bondage club or something. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, Hookers and Blow would play there, sure. They totally, yeah. And um, you could tell when you get there, it, it, you know, it's this little place on the side of a kind of quiet highway. And they've got the bus with all the decals all over it. And it's just, you know, very, you can tell he's, he's uh, um, investing that comes in Rose's money into this kind of an operation, right? It, it really stands out. Um, so we get in there. I told Olivia, you know, make sure you get some pictures of, uh, of Dizzy. And um, they didn't go on until midnight again. They didn't play three hours, but they went on late. Um, and, uh, it's, it's Alex, right. From quiet riot. Um, the, the drummer, John, Johnny Kelly from typo negative yep. is a band that I love. Yeah. Both, uh, and, former guests of the show. Yeah. And the bassist for, um, the bassist from enough's enough. Oh, chips uh, enough. enough. Yeah. Chips yeah. enough. Who's been on the show as well. Yeah, well, he, he, he's an interesting character. Yeah, he's so, he's really funny. I, I don't think it was really breaking news, but he was like, yeah, Stephen will have some pot every now and then. I was like, okay. Oh, really? <laughs> Story. <laughs> I did say it's legal in most places, so who knows? I mean, sober, I don't know. I don't want to get into that whole thing. It could be subjective, yeah, yeah. but as long as he's staying away from the hard stuff. Right, right. Hopefully it's helpful to that end for sure. But um, they they start playing, and Olivia, who who her background's in photography, so she takes you know a million times better pictures than me. I've got you know like an old galaxy, and uh, she takes a thousand pictures of Chips and Duff, and <laughs> almost no pictures of Dizzy Reed, who's in the front with the keyboard. That's you know funny. he's like lead singer slash keyboardist, so it's really obvious who the lead is. But she's taken all the pictures of the bassist. So, you know, it's super loud inside. You know, it's like a six and a half foot clearance in the in the building. So it's everything's just loud. And I'm trying to yell, like, get pictures of Dizzy, get pictures of Dizzy. Um, and it wasn't until afterwards I said, you know, why did you take so many pictures of Chips Enough and no pictures of Dizzy Reed? And she said, I, I thought he was the guy who was in Guns N' Roses. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but that was great. And they... they they only did like 11 or 12 songs, mostly covers, and sure. they did Pretty Tied Up, which was cool to hear live. And I don't know that the Guns N' Roses all pulled that one out. I think they might have played Locomotive. Oh, okay. I'd have to check on it. Yeah, but they definitely played Pretty Tied Up, so that was fun. Very cool. Yeah, I know they, they still do that. 
uh, live. And, uh, you know, Alex uh, Grassi has been on the show a bunch of times. I will see, I'll see them eventually, but I mean, just for an example, uh, Jay, I've already been, as we're recording this, I've been in the studio for like 12 hours. So I, it's hard for me to get, uh, so it's, I hate it. I, that's why you've got to see Ford yeah. since we've, First saw our, our first Guns N' Roses show in 2002. It's why you've seen twice as much as me, but yeah, no, no, no reason to cry. Off. It's it's why you uh, you're a teacher and you get summers off, and I'm summers in radio. Off for a big perk. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, and radio uh, is always on. Someone always has to be here, so it is what it is. Right. Uh, before we uh, before we conclude, uh, what's your your favorite Guns N' Roses song ever? Oh man, that's tough. Um, you know, having started with Appetite so early, it's almost hard for me to like name. You know, obviously like Night Train, Night Train is way up there. But you know, I, I really love um, a couple of the songs on Chinese Democracy, Street of Dreams, Madagascar, better. You know, I think maybe just because I've heard them ten thousand times instead of a hundred thousand times. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I yeah, gotcha. Maybe Night Train for classics and Madagascar for for this century right yeah no i uh, I, I totally understand so all right i'll i like it some uh, old school uh, appetite and going quote unquote newer with uh with chinese oh. uh do you have like a favorite piece of guns and roses memorabilia whether it could be something you bought or a ticket stub or a t-shirt or a picture anything that you uh, hold near and dear to your heart huh that's a good one um yeah, I don't know. I've got a couple of the tickets that I've got hanging around. I think are pretty, pretty awesome. And then a couple of the pictures from Vegas because I'm, I'm like you can see my bald head, and then Axl Rose is ten feet in front of me, <laughs> uh, and that's pretty awesome. And the, that was the kind of experience where I was like, uh, if I didn't get this, if I didn't get these pictures, people wouldn't believe I was actually like standing this close to, to the band and uh, getting to take all that in at such a such a close range totally so i think probably those couple of things all right right on i'll take it yeah. uh so i guess uh jay trucker jay from baltimore that officially makes you you're a bad apple <laughs> <laughs> thanks for all taking right. part thanks in it brando i appreciate it no problem and i you know i appreciate you taking part of a uh, fan obsession was it okay did you how did you feel you were like a little nervous and i told you like I know you live in Baltimore now, but in your heart, you're a Jersey guy. Nothing intimidates a Jersey guy. That's right. Right. I was trying to go back to my roots in that way. <laughs> <laughs> right on. So thanks so much, Jay. And, uh, you know, as this podcast keeps going, who knows? Maybe you'll make a return trip. But we'll see what happens. Awesome. Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to hearing all your stuff, Brando. I appreciate what you do. Thanks, Jay. I appreciate what you do. And that's listen. <laughs> thanks, man. <laughs> all right. Take care. So that does it for episode 168 of Appetite for Distortion. Thank you so much for listening, whether you found us and you're listening on the iHeartRadio app or Spreaker or Stitcher or SoundCloud, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, you know, Spotify, how, uh, wherever you, you listen to your podcasts, we're there. And of course, I'll follow on social media uh, at the AFD Show on Twitter, uh, Facebook.com slash the AFD Show, or just Appetite for Distortion on instagram yeah that is right uh so what is to come here on the podcast well uh, you know i have a lot of fires uh, you know a lot, a lot of eggs in the frying pan like i don't even know what the analogy i'm looking for uh is here like i said i've been awake for a long time 
because uh, earlier this morning, and you know, I mentioned it last episode. Uh, it's cool, and, and today I got to enjoy a a double shot of Guns N' Roses on Two for Tuesdays on Q1043, uh, New York's classic rock. Uh, so it was. What, what do we play this morning? It was "Don't Cry" into "Live and Let Die." That was that was the two for this morning. So I had to get up early for the morning show. And then uh, I had Hans and, and John come in to you know, from from Demons and Wizards come in, and now I'm talking to Jay Trucker. But that's okay because I love what I do and I love doing this podcast, uh, and that's all in part to to all of you. So please continue to listen, continue to support, uh, to support, and, and just share it. Let people know about this podcast. It was cool because uh, before we started, you know, taping this uh, this segment, the fan obsession segment. Uh, Jay and I were, were talking and he was like, you know, some of the, the bands that he may not be really into, like, and that's something that I have in the back of my head. Like, is everyone who listens to this podcast going to be a Demons and Wizards fan? I don't know, but I like to think I have good conversations. And of course, GNR is thrown in there. But, and that's exactly what Jay just told me. He's like, I'm not really a big fan of Buck Cherry, but I really love the Josh Todd interview. I'm not really a big fan of Everclear, but I love the... Uh, the interview with Art, the uh, lead singer of, of Everclear, and so I, that I appreciate that. So, you know, we're we're continuing to expand our our radius here around the nucleus of Guns N' Roses. But again, this all follows our six degrees of uh, of Guns N' Roses bacon. All right, so we're gonna you know, we're gonna keep doing that here on uh, the Appetite for Distortion radio program. So that does it for this episode. Uh, Follow all social media for any guest updates for an opportunity for you to either submit a question or even be a co-host for an episode. So again, follow on social for that. But in the meantime, when will you see the next episode? Well, in the words of Axl Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. security, I'm going home.